Welcome. This sermon podcast is a production of Refresh Community Church, where Dr. Carlos Smith is our lead pastor. Our vision is to see our hearts refreshed by Christ's presence, our relationships renewed for Christ's purpose, our lives rebuilt by Christ's power, and our communities restored by Christ's people. We pray that you are blessed by today's message, and we look forward to seeing you in person soon. Amen. Well, welcome to Refresh Community Church. I'm so glad that you are here with us. My name is Pastor Carlos Smith. I'm the lead pastor here at Refresh, and I'm so glad uh, that you all have chosen to worship with us, whether you're here in our sanctuary or with us uh, virtually through YouTube or Facebook Live. So glad that you all are here and experiencing this Advent season with us. So uh, what Advent is all about is setting and experiencing the expectation for Christ's coming and arrival um, on Christmas. Christmas Day. On Christmas, we believe that heaven touches earth, that God becomes man, and we experience for ourselves the power and the presence of God in the incarnation in the person of Jesus Christ. So thank you all for worshiping with us. And those who were with us in the sanctuary last week, some of y'all are just praising God because it's just a little more light this week. Amen. Y'all don't, y'all don't feel quite as, as vulnerable in a, in a pitch black place. So I, I got personal enjoyment out of watching like people trying to find seats just bumping into each other last week. So, uh, But no, part of the themes that we um, are walking through as we walk through this theme of out of the shadows is how Christ brings us out of the darkness of sin uh, and brings us into the light of his grace. It's these uh, symbols and these these typologies that Christians have used and utilized uh, throughout the centuries that speaks to God's revelation to human being in a person of Christ. So, so glad uh, that you're spending this Advent season with us. And I shared with us last week that we will be walking through uh, the book of Isaiah, not the whole book, but uh, walking through Uh, passages from Isaiah during this Advent series. And so if you have your Bibles, I would that you would open it up to Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. And for those of us, um, if you're a Christian, this is a passage uh, that is very familiar to you. You've heard it, read it many a time, especially this time of year. If you're um, not a Christian, uh, this might be your first time hearing it, but this is a passage that is near and dear to the heart of believers and really um, a cornerstone and a pillar in our faith. So uh, you get to experience this with us today. Uh, But we're going to be reading uh, just one verse, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, and I would that you would stand with me in reverence for the reading of God's word. We're just going to read one verse, and this one verse that we're going to read is also quoted in the New Testament uh, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. And it's the promise of the virgin birth. Here we are. Uh, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Here's the word of the Lord. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Let us pray. Eternal God, our Father, we thank you so much uh, that you are with us. Uh, God, there are so many other places and things you could have been doing, but you chose as the cosmic Lord of the universe to take up and tabernacle and give us the gift of your presence. God, thank you so much for this gift, this monumental gift of your presence with us. Be with us as we share today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may have your seats. And I'm going to talk to us for a few minutes today from the thought, a glimmer in the darkness, a glimmer in the darkness. Uh, So you all had your uh, discussion question that I gave you guys about the shooting star. How many of us have seen a shooting star? 
Raise your hand, raise your hand. Most of us have, most of us have. Um, you know, uh, as we think about shooting stars, I remember my first time uh, really seeing one good. You know, I'm an I'm a urbanite. I'm from uh, Detroit, and so I grew up in a big acropolis. Uh, and so I seen like a few here and there, uh, but I didn't even realize that when you're in a big, big urban area that the night sky is not as dark as it could be. Um, I did not know this until I moved to Indiana as a teenager. And then I got out in Indiana, um, it was me and the corn stalks, uh, and I found out that when you're out that way, uh, that the light, the dark, the, the, the sky is just a little darker than when you're in a big urban area. I also learned this uh, last year when uh, my staff, um, they drug me into the woods of Missouri. Uh, and they were like, Carlos, out here, you can see Jesus more clearly. And I couldn't understand why I couldn't see Jesus from the rooftop of the Four Seasons. But, you know, uh, I was like, I can't see Jesus downtown at the Cardinals game? Why, why are you in the woods out here all the time? Uh, but anyhow, we went out. Uh, it's, I had a great time, actually. But uh, I'm becoming more of an outdoorsman. Uh, but we went out there into, uh, into the rural Missouri, and we were sitting around a fire pit, having a good time, doing all the things that you do around the fire pit, making s'mores. S'mores is, is the greatest thing in the world, by the way. Sitting there roasting marshmallows, uh, roasting hot dogs, having a good time. And we were sitting up, looking at the night sky over this bonfire out in rural Missouri, and all of a sudden, I seen stars I had never seen before, just like when I was in Indiana. And I even saw, I saw more shooting stars that night than I think I've seen in my whole life. Um, and it wasn't actually a meteor shower, it was just that many that normally occur. Uh, but because we're often, and I'm so often in, in urban areas, I don't see the night sky. Uh, but here, here's the reality. Uh, what I'm getting at is this idea of that you can see shooting stars and uh, those types of things and, and meteor showers more clearly the darker the sky is. Um, you can see it when you don't have the light, when you don't have uh, the distraction. You can see it. The darker and clearer the sky is, the better you are able to see a shooting star. And a shooting star is like this break in the darkness, the dark cover of night. If you've ever been um, up north, far into Canada, you can see the northern lights. And it's like these beautiful glimmers of darkness that God, uh, or glimmers of light that God gives us to break up the darkness. And what this has to do with this text is that that is exactly how this promise in the Bible functions. It functions. Uh, Isaiah 7:14. this promise that God is through a virgin going to give a child that's going to serve as a sign. It serves as a spark, a little glimmer of light in the midst of all the darkness. And if you have not figured out or applied it to your life yet, what I'm seeking to present before you is that there are some things that you can only see about God and his promises against the cover of darkness. That the darkness of your life, that the darkness of the things that you are experiencing, that it actually highlights the promises and the beauty of God in such a way that a bright sky can't do it. Now, I hear some of y'all already, some of y'all are already like, like, I am not here this morning for Jesus juke, because that's what this is. You're, you're, what you're trying to sit here and tell me, and you know, you're trying to wrench around and make it put a nice little bow on it, um, but Carlos, this darkness that I actually feel is real. Thanks, but no thanks for the cute little sermon antidote about uh, shooting stars. But this depression that I feel is real, and it's heavy, and it's dark. This anxiety that I feel is real, is heavy, 
and it's dark. This, this health crisis that I'm going through, all these things that I'm experiencing, they're real, they're heavy, and they're dark, and I don't think a cute little sermon illustration is going to get out of it. Thank, thank you, uh, but no thanks for you, Lord Jesus Juke. And um, listen, I get that sentiment. I understand it. Um, having walked through a few dark moments myself, I understand when you're in the midst of it, it's like, bro, I, 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 need, I need something else. Uh, but here, here's my point. It's not so much that I want to say that the darkness isn't real. I actually want to, I really, really, really want to name and label that, no, the darkness that you feel is real. But here's what I am saying, and I don't think it's just a Jesus juke. I think it just is real, that God does not waste the darkness. That God actually uses the darkness to demonstrate beauty. That even the darkness that we see in our lives, in our hearts, in our minds, God is so supernatural. God is so strong. God is so God that he is the only being in the universe that can take something that is quantifiably and qualitatively evil, hurtful, and damaging and actually transform it to good. And so what I'm suggesting is that God doesn't waste your darkness, that it's not for naught. And this little promise here is a promise to break up the dark night that Israel is uh, experiencing here in Isaiah. Now, often this passage, when we look at it, we look at it, uh, and it's in the book of Matthew. And Matthew, uh, Matthew kind of picks up this promise, and he applies it to the Virgin Mary, and uh, he points out how Christ is born of a virgin, and that is Christian orthodoxy. That God is so God that somehow, um, not in some type of weird way um, that Mary becomes a child, but that God supernaturally causes uh, the child to grow, uh, that Jesus grows in the womb of Mary um, without the intervention of humanity that happens traditionally to make children come about. Um, This is Christian orthodoxy. And so Isaiah or Matthew picks up this promise and applies it there. Uh, But in the original context in which God gives this promise, it's not in the context of Matthew, it's in the context of darkness in Judah. And it was dark in Israel at this time. Boy, oh boy, was it dark. Uh, This promise is given to a king by the name of Ahaz. Let me tell you something about Ahaz. Ahaz was a terrible king. Dude was the worst. Guarantee you, bet you a dollar, that if Ahaz was running for president in the 2024 presidential elections in America, you would not vote for him. Doesn't matter what your party of choice is and which party he was running from, running for, you would vote for a third party because Ahaz was that bad. That's right. Ahaz was the king of Judah, and guess what he did? He worshiped idols. He just worshiped them. Not, not only did he worship them, okay, worshiping idols, we got to appreciate something. Uh, you know, we beat up on these folks in the Bible about worshiping idols. It, it, idol worship was in the water just like baseball is in the water of St. Louis. It's just what you did. You just have little gods and stuff in your pocket. Just you pull out your pocket and you pray to it. That's just what you do, okay? It was just normal. That's bad, okay? But Ahab took it to another father. He actually loved the idol so much, he went to an idol's temple, saw the idol's uh, altar, and said, you know what I'm going to do? I want a replica of that idol's altar in the house of God. And so Ahaz took the image of the, the, the altar of the pagan god, had a replica made and stuck in the temple of Yahweh. This dude was awful. The worst to ever do it. Um, not the worst to ever do it, but like, you know, bottom three and he ain't like one or two or some type things like this. Uh, one of the worst ever. Uh, but not only that, not only was there this political darkness, and I believe that when God wants to judge his people, he give them wicked and evil leaders, uh, which was happening here in Israel and Judah. Uh, but not only was there political darkness in that way, um, but there was also political darkness because there was this empire right to the east of them named Assyria. And they was like, hey, we're going to conquer you. We're going to take over. We're going to whoop up on 
following you. So the folks were scared, nervous about Assyria. Um, then there were some kings to the north um, in the northern kingdom of Israel and in Syria and those other countries who wanted Israel to jump in in a league, deal with them. And Ahaz was like not going for it. And it was a bad political situation. And so the people were just scared about an existential threat and invasion. Then to top it all off, I'm just telling you how dark it was at the time, so you don't think that the Bible just happens in this fluffy, furry, cute little place. Um, then there was moral darkness. There was evil. Po folks weren't going to church. Folks weren't reading their Bibles. They was living in sexual immorality. They was rejecting God. They was worshiping idols. It was pretty bad across the board. And check this out. This is exactly where and when God chose to give this promise. It skates across the sky, the darkness of Israel, like a shooting star across the black night that reminds God's people that darkness does not have the final say. He says there's a bad pagan king or, or, or a sinful king here who's bringing in paganism. My people are walking in paganism. They've rejected me. They're oppressing the poor. They're forgetting about the vulnerable. And right against that backdrop is where I'm going to give my promise. And here's what that means for you, child of God. There is no darkness dark enough where, that will extinguish the promises of God for your life. The darkness, the darkness of your life is not dark enough to swallow up God and his promises. And so God is saying right here, listen, child of God, I am giving you this promise. And check out what it is, is that I am with you. That in that darkness, I've not abandoned you. That as you sit in the mess, in the muck, in the mire, as you get ready, and, and let's talk about it for a minute, because y'all know it's Christmas, and you know, we want to say, yay, the incarnation, which is dope, right? I love the incarnation. I'm Orthodox Christian with it. But we also know um, that this is that time of year when some of us go back to our family of origin. That's right. And some of us are like, everybody just like, it was like, Lo, she was doing good until you said that. I'm not, you know, and, and if we're honest, some of us got beautiful memories and, and history and traditions that, and you're looking forward to it. For some of us, we got trauma, broken relationships, complex family, parental situations. Some of us are experiencing and grieving loss and people that we miss this year. Things that are not as they should be. And so this time of the year, it ain't all about Santa Claus and, 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 and Christmas trees and running up the credit card bill. For some of us this year, it's about trying to figure out how am I going to get through going back home or being with my family or how am I going to deal with that loss and that brokenness and that pain that I feel this time of the year. In fact, this time of the year is when we see spikes in calls to the suicide hotline. This time of the year is when uh, it's hard to get into your counselor's office because people, they're so booked up because so many people are going to talk to their mental health professionals because they're having a hard time coping during the season. This is the time when we see uh, more uh, issues with gambling and addiction and substance use because all of us, for all of us, this ain't all about sleigh bells and a good time. For many of us, this is painful. And what I'm saying to those of us who may dwell in either place is that God says that even against that darkness, I'm still with you. As we look at this passage, your, your whole, if you want to know what this whole thing about is, about those three words, God with us. And I just want to talk to you about two things real quick. It's the first thing that this little glimmer in the darkness, that the first thing that we see is this glimmer of the darkness, in the darkness is this promise of God's person. And the second thing is the promise of God's proximity. Look at this text real quick. Look at verse 14 says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. 
You see, this sign of this virgin who would have a child, he tries to give it to Ahaz, and Ahaz actually rejects it. He says, if you look at the verses before, he says, I don't want a sign. God is saying, you don't need to trust in foreign alliances. You need to trust that I am with you, and I'm trying to give you a sign that I am with you, that I won't leave you, that I won't allow the darkness to win, and Ahaz rejects it because he's a wicked pagan king. So part of the encouragement here in this text is that we don't want to be like Ahaz. We, we want to trust God's promise. And God says, I'm trying to give you something on which you can hang your hat. And it's this idea that I'm going to give you the sign myself. Look at the text. It says the Lord himself will give you a sign. This is emphatic in the text. It's emphatic in the original language. God is not just going to send a representative. God is not going to send an angel. God is not going to send a proxy. God says, I'm going to get my hands dirty on your behalf, my own self. Y'all, do y'all realize this is the God of the universe who says that I'm going to act on behalf of you myself? And for some of us, we can log out of the, on YouTube right now. We can get up and walk out of the sanctuary because that was all you needed to hear. And what you needed to hear is that God himself sees you. God himself can view you. God himself has not forgotten about you. God himself is not aloof from you. That God himself sees you right where you are, even in your mess. Don't, don't forget when and where he gives this promise. He gives it to a sinful king and a sinful nation that rejected his sign. And he still says, guess what, Israel, I'm still with you. And child of God, even as you're wrestling, he's still with you. Even as you're wounded, he's still with you. Even as things are not as they should be, he's still with you. Y'all do know, I've said, I say this regularly, but I keep saying it because it's true. I want y'all to hear what I'm saying. This is the reason why I'm a Christian. Y'all do know that Jews and Muslims just consider it straight up heresy, the idea that God would become a man. They call it heresy, I call it Christianity. Because there's a reason why I'm not a Jew, a Muslim, there's a reason I'm not a Buddhist, there's a reason I'm not a Hindu. I've really thought these things through. I've really considered it. And the idea that God would come close to me and draw himself close to me himself personally was enough to rock my world and transition me from being an unbeliever to being a believer and coming out of the darkness of shadows and coming into the light. I said, I want to serve a God who loves me so much that he'll come close to me in my mess. But we see that here is the Lord himself. He's going to give you a sign. Check out the sign. His, his, we see that he's personally involved, but we also see that he gives this perplexing promise. Um, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. This is a wild promise, okay? I just told you. Ahaz and Israel was in a uh, military conundrum. They had an enemy on the east, an enemy in the north, and all of them wanted to obliterate them. And God says, hey, Ahaz, check this out. I got, the, I got a sign for you that's going to show you that it's all going to work out. It has like, what's that, God? It's a virgin and a baby. It's like, bro, I need a tank. What are you talking about? Like, I need guns. You got a, a lady and a baby? Now, look, in, in, in modern days, we actually do have plenty of sisters who serve in our armed, in our armed forces. So we salute all those uh, ladies who, who serve in armed forces around the world. Um, but ain't no babies in the armed forces. Uh, like, I know we're breaking barriers and glass ceilings and whatnot. I ain't seen no baby general yet. Uh, like, this, this sign, I mean, Ahaz ain't a great guy, but he ain't stupid either. This doesn't make a lot of sense is the moral of the story, okay? 
He, he says, I'm going to give you um, this child and this baby uh, that is going to be born. It's going to be a sign to you that I am with you because what you need to trust is my presence. And I began to wrestle with this. I say, God, of all the ways, because you're God, you can do what you want to. You could have saved us any which way you felt like it. Why did you choose to give us the sign of a virgin who's going to have a baby to represent your presence? And the Lord showed me that the reason why is because he likes to take what seems helpless, worthless, and powerless in itself, put it in his hands, and use it to bring about miracles. That that is what God... That's what God just does. God says that if, you know, if I used a, a, a big military and military might and, and, and money and this and all this stuff, you would have fooled around and thought it was you. You would have messed around and thought that it was because you were so good looking, so smart, had so much ingenuity that you were so strategic that that is the way that transformation happened. But God says, I'm going to give you a woman and a small child to show you that nobody but God has brought about this miracle. And y'all do know that that's just what Yahweh does, like over and over again. We see it all through scripture. Um, you know, we see it on Genesis 1. He starts with nothing and makes everything. Creation, ex nihilo. He needs nothing to make everything. I was watching uh, uh, this, the scientists. Uh, y'all probably seen them. Um, I see them on my Instagram all the time. They figured out I like science. Uh, so they give me uh, Neil Tyson Degrassi, I think his name is, a uh, black scientist dude. He's an atheist, but he'd be pointing out some fascinating stuff. You know, and he was talking about how vast the universe is and how small we are in it. Um, and I'm just like, yo, that's crazy. I mean, just making Earth out of nothing is crazy, okay? But he made this whole infinite cosmos. I was watching this video about how they they said because our galaxy is so large, the earth or the sun for the duration that it has been in existence has only gone around our galaxy 20 times. That it's only 20 galactic years old or something like this. Here's the moral of the story, people of God. God made all of that out of nothing. Do you think he can't make something out of you? This, this is his MO. He takes a hundred-year-old man, a barren woman, and makes a nation. He takes a little shepherd boy from the backfields of Israel and makes him King David, who is the prototypical messianic figure for the entire Bible. He takes five fish, two loaves of bread, and he takes a little boy's lunch and feeds 30,000 people. He takes three nails, one cross, hangs himself on it, and purchases salvation for the entire world. Don't tell me what God can't do. So God says, I, I, I like to take things. I like to take a poor virgin girl from Nazareth who is a woman who would be forgotten about, who would be pushed aside from this poor little village, and her husband, who was from a deposed kingdom, who went from being the king in the palace to being a carpenter. And I like to take folks like that and bring about transformation for all of creation. And so when we think and we wrestle with that, here's the reality. You're sitting around and you're talking to God about what you ain't got and what can't happen because of what you aren't. God, I don't have any money. And God says, what you talking about? I own the cattle on a thousand hills. God, I don't have any education. He says, I don't call it qualified. I qualify those who I call. We sit here and say, God, I don't have any strength. I don't have anything left. And God says that my strength is made perfect in weakness. You, you say, God, I'm not wet networked enough. I don't have enough connections. I don't know enough. I don't have enough experience. And God says, if I be for you, I'm more than the whole world against you. God says, I specialize in taking nothing and making something. And so at the end of the day, to get hope, all we need is God's person. We just need God himself. And so God says to Ahaz, and he says to us in the incarnation of Jesus, he says, listen, I'm going to take those who are forgotten, those who are downcast, those who seem like they ain't got it all together, and I'm going to use it as a sign 
that I am God, that I am with you. So that's a little bit about God's person. Um, but the other thing I want to talk to you about is God's proximity. I just did a brief exposition on the word God and what God does. But now I just want to talk about the other two words that the word Emmanuel translates, with us. The first one is like a preposition, right? It's a, a, a statement of proximity, a statement of, uh, of, of where a person is in space and time. He is with us. That is insane to me. Um, because if I was God, I would just choose other people to hang out with. Like, that's all I'm saying. Like, I would just, like, if I was God, like, y'all do know, like, y'all do realize, like, I've heard people say this, um, it, and it's just a misunderstanding of the Trinity and eternality of God, that God was lonely, and he looked out into the cosmos, and he made us because he was so lonely. He was not lonely at all. He was having a great time by himself because he's three in one. I don't know how the Trinity worked. I just know it is. God wasn't lonely at all. Him, the Son, and the Spirit, they was playing Uno and everything for all of eternity. Like, they was kicking it. God wasn't lonely or bored. Like, and then he made angels. And that went south, like with the rebellion of Lucifer and everything. But if I was going to hang out with people, I would hang out with angels. Want to know why? Real simple. They can fly and we can't. Like, these beings just, they're flames of fire and they just be appearing and flying around and just doing stuff. They're like Avengers. They're like celestial Avengers. I would hang with them. Wouldn't be hanging out with us. And this is what God does though, because God is not only transcendent, he's infinitely imminent. He is highly relational and he chooses to make human beings who, check this out, Jesus is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. What that tells me is that God knew where we were going to fall and God chose to anyway make us and then to pull up close to us. Because God is infinite and eternal love. And in the incarnation, he demonstrates his love and his proximity to us. This idea that God is with us is unbelievable to me because we don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. I look at the guy he get a promise to, the guy who rejects the sign, the guy who makes idol worship, the guy who is going to enter into a pact with, uh, uh, with Assyria, who's ultimately going to make him a slave king in Israel, a vassal state. And that's who he gives one of the most incredible promises of all of scripture to. And what that tells me, people of God, is that you ain't got to have it all together to experience and appropriate the promises of God. The God didn't wait on you to fix it and get it all together for him, for him to give you his promises and for him to give you himself. He promises his presence to a wicked nation and to a wicked king. He says, I am with you even in your sinfulness and your wickedness. You know, I... Um, you know, I, I, I spend too much time on Instagram, like so much so that I had to put that little thing, the screen time on my phone to tell me like, hey, bro, you got to chill. It's been one hour. I give myself one hour a day. Then thing pop up like, boop, that's enough. Cutting it off, bro. It's enough reels. Um, but an hour a day is enough for the real, the algorithm to figure out what they think you like. And they figured out that I'm a Christian, um, but they don't know what kind yet. So they just give me all the wrong Christian content. It's crazy. I swear, they, they just feed me all heretics. I guess that means, like, I just keep, like, stopping and pausing on it so the computer can figure out, like, oh, he just keep looking at it. Um, so I'm giving him, like, all that. Like, so anyway, um, it thinks that I'm really into the prosperity gospel. Um, and so, <laughs> like, I don't know, you know. And so um, it's this particularly prosper, pro, particular prosperity uh, preacher. I'm not going to name him. If I name him, you know who he is. I ain't trying to, you know, it's Christmas. I ain't trying to do all that today. I just... You know, I'd be cool, man. But this cat, um, I was watching this video, and he was justifying why he needs a private jet. He was raising an offering for his private jet. I'm not making this up. 
he was trying to justify why he needs this private jet. And so, you know, I, I tried to suspend judgment. And, you know, I'm, a, I'm an academic person. I'm like, hey, I'm going to suspend judgment. I'm just going to listen. The Bible, 1 uh, Corinthians 13 says, love thinketh no evil. So I'm, I'm going to, like, suspend judgment. I'm going to try to enter into this with an open mind. Because I don't know what this dude do all day. I don't want to be a hater. I think the worst thing you can be in the world is a hater. If you're a hater, don't be one. It's like, worst thing you can do. Um, so I'm like, I don't want to hate on this man because he got millions in the private jet. Shoot, like, you know, I don't want to play a hate and all this stuff. I'm going to congratulate because I might get a chance to participate. I don't know. Let me listen. So why do you need a, 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 a private jet, sir? And he said, you know how when you're on a commercial airplane and all those people are on there. I'm like, yeah, I do be on there. Okay. We're on the he was like, and all those sinners get on this plane. I'm like, yeah, we do be sinning, like, you know, especially, especially depending on where your plane going to. You know, if you're going to, like, Cancun, Vegas, you might be going to sin, so I don't know. Like, okay, sinners on there. I'd be on there, too, but I'd be sinning a little bit. Okay, fine. Sinners on the plane. He was like, and then you can feel all the demons on the plane. I was like, yeah, I mean, okay, probably some demons on. I mean, just, you know, if you just take per cap, like, you know, like, just take the statistics of it, you know, the 200 people on this plane, there might be a few demons with them. Okay, I'm with it. And he's like, and the demons start crawling on you. I'm like, wait a minute now. I, <laughs> I didn't flew a lot of planes. Ain't nobody crawled on me yet. I don't know what airline you find with people crawling on you, but what are you doing? And he was like, and are you all these people in these spirits, and I, and I have to preach, and I just can't deal with all that. And the Lord told me to buy a jet so my spirit could be pure when I preach. I'm like, bro, I preach every Sunday, G. And I didn't got off planes and went and preached, and I ain't show, ain't no demon took my sermon off my iPad yet. What are you? Yeah, I just realized he wanted my money, and I scrolled up and looked at uh, my, my donut reels and stuff. Um, but, but, you know, th this man basically said, I want a private jet because I don't want to be around regular people in the airport. And you know what I said to myself? Man, I'm glad he's not God. Because God says, I'm not only going to get on a plane with sinners, but I'm going to put on a body of flesh and I'm going to come down to earth and get on a planet full of them right where they are. And this is the kind of God that he has, he's, that we serve. He says that I am going to come close to you, even in your brokenness, even in your flawedness, even in your brokenness, because I want to come close to the people who are made in my image who need me the most. Jesus said it this way. I didn't come to call the righteous. I came to call sinners. I came for the dark, demon-possessed, broken, toe-up, adulterous, sinful, alcoholic, addicted, uh, atheist, agnostic. I came for all of those people. I want, I want the people that the world rejects. He says, I came directly to them. This is what the incarnation is about. This is what Christmas is all about, people of God. You know, as we think about God being with us and God coming close to us, it made me think about, um, I got a, got a little baby, I got a seven-month-old, uh, and he's crawling around doing all kinds of stuff. It's like going way too fast. I'm like, man, you just got here. How are you moving on your own already? Um, but when I put together his nursery and things like that, the last thing I got, I realized, like, oh, man, I got all this stuff and put all this stuff together and got everything situated. I didn't get a nightlight. Got all this stuff. And so the room, um, you know, I got blackout curtains because when he sleep, I want him to stay that way. Um, but, but the room was a little too dark. And I was like, I don't want him to be frightened. So I did what we all do. I went out and got a nightlight for him, one of those cool color-changing nightlights. Um, but the nightlight serves two purposes. It's so that he won't make up in the middle of the night and be startled by the darkness. But it's also so that I can see him while he sleeps. 
Because like all parents, I'm sure if you got a, you've ever been in life with a child or you're a parent, um, you go and you may peek at your kids when they're sleeping. And they're, they're most adorable when they're not like tearing up the house and they're unconscious. It's so adorable. Um, and you go and you look at them. And as I began to think about this glimmer of hope, it's kind of like a nightlight for us. It's not bright enough where it doesn't give us everything. He says to Ahaz, listen, I'm not pushing back all the darkness immediately. You're going to have to wait on that. But I want to let you know that the darkness doesn't win. And I also want to put this this picture of my promise here because it's a covenant, not only so that you can see me, but it's also so that I can see you through my promise. And God keeps his promises before him that he will never leave us, that he will never forsake us, that he is always with us. On the first page of your Bible, you'll read in Genesis 1 that God makes day and he makes night. And what's fascinating about his making of day and night, he sets two lights. The Bible says that he sets these lights, and the Hebrew says to rule, to dominate them. Um, In the daytime, we know what that is. It's the sun. But in the nighttime, we also know what that is. It's the moon. Um, And the moon doesn't have its own light. It reflects light from the sun. But the point is, is that it's put there so there wouldn't be total darkness on earth. Here's the point. From Genesis to Revelation, God never lets darkness win. And in your life, in your circumstance, in your situation, God will never let the darkness win. From the beginning to the end, God always gives us glimmers of hope in the midst of the darkest moments of our life. So I don't know where you are. I don't know what you're wrestling with. I don't know if you're a Christian. I don't know if you're a non-Christian. If you're a believer, listen to me. You may, be, you may feel like I'm a Christian just barely, really, and I'm just here, and I be sinning, and I be wilding, and I didn't, I didn't been on the fence with my faith, faith. Guess what? Ahaz was probably worse at it than you in terms of pursuing God, and God reminds Ahaz of his promise and his presence. God says, listen, I, I'm not worried about what you're doing. I'm worried about what I'm doing. And I'm God, and I'm giving you my promise. And I'm letting you know that I'm with you, even when you don't have the strength or the fortitude to pursue after me. But even if you're not a believer, and you're like, oh, I don't know about this Jesus thing. Can I, may I suggest to you, it's just an idea I want you to kick around, that God has been with you the whole time too. That even if you are like, ah, I don't believe in this God, I don't know if he's real, I'm on the fence about it, maybe, maybe not, I don't know. May I suggest to you that if you look at, back at your life, nobody is that lucky or you would have hit the lottery already. That God has kept you when you did not know it. That God has been with you, that he's been overseeing you, that he's been protecting you, that he's been keeping you, that he's been delivering you, that he's been providing for you. And he didn't even say anything, but he sent you to listen to me now, whether you're here in person or you're listening to me virtually. God just wanted me to let you know that I've been with you the whole time. And I'm still with you now. Would you consider during this Advent season that maybe you just ain't lucky? You were raised in a great family, stable home, and all those things. Was it just that you were lucky, or is it that God had a purpose and a plan for you? Or maybe you wasn't raised in none of those circumstances, and some things that were difficult and traumatic, and that you wish had never happened, happened, but that God somehow gave you the strength and the fortitude to walk through that. May I suggest to you that there was something greater than yourself keeping you? And so here's what I want to leave us with, that no matter where we are, no matter how dark it gets, God never, ever, ever in our life lets the darkness win, and he always gives us a glimmer of hope. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you that you are with us, that you are the light and the hope in the darkest of circumstances. 
God, I don't want to make light of the circumstances that some of us are living through right now. God, it may feel dark, hopeless, and overwhelming. And God, you give this presence, this promise of your presence in that type of situation and environment. And you reminded Israel that you are with us. God, you remind your people today through the incarnation and the coming of the Lord Jesus that you are still with us. God, thank you that even when we don't acknowledge you, you never leave us. You never forsake us. Even when we give up on you, you never give up on us. Thank you that you are Emmanuel, that you are God with us. In Jesus' name, amen. At this time, we're going to have worship. We're going to worship a little bit. We're going to take communion. I invite you, the altar will be open. There will be brothers and sisters up here praying for folks. If you need prayer, if you need someone just to say, hey, I need you to walk with me. If you need to lay down a burden, the altar will be open. And you can have a brother or sister walk with you and pray for you. But I just want to remind you today that no matter what's going on, the darkness doesn't win. And God is still with you. Let us stand together and worship. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We pray this message has impacted you in a meaningful way. If you want to know more about how Jesus can change your life, we would love to connect with you further. Send an email to hello at refreshcommunity.church or come visit us at 829 North Hanley Road in University City, Missouri. Be sure to subscribe and share the podcast with your friends. Thanks for listening and see you next time.